Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. I'm John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs, Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Kara's and Cottages with a K. And today, uh, I'm happy to welcome uh, some members of the band Bowmanville. Uh, Bowmanville is a jazz group. Uh, they're playing at the Acorn Theater on August 18th. And really happy to have him on the show and looking forward to having him coming into town. Bowmanville is made up of uh, Ethan Adelsman, who's on violin, Graham Nelson on harmonica and vocals, Noah Plotkin on drums, Oliver Horton on bass, and Mason Jiller on guitar. To get us started, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, play us... Uh, little bit of of their their stuff here's uh, all of me from uh, Andy's Jazz Club in Chicago Yeah. 
sounds like me. Right, that was Bowmanville, and that was uh, uh, all the way from um, their show at Andy's in Chicago. And on the phone with me, I have uh, Ethan Adelsman. I've got Mason Jiller. Uh, who else is on the phone? <laughs> this is Graham Nelson coming to you live, 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 live. Graham Nelson, all right. And is Noah with us too? Noah could not make it. Okay, well, sounds good. So it's got trapped behind the percussion. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Of course. Uh, so I'm really happy to welcome you guys to the show, and um, there you're going to have a um, uh, you're you're going to have a show at the Acorn Theater on the 18th. Um, yes. And uh, really excited about that. I mean, that uh, um, I that love that theater. We we go there a lot, and. Uh, um, you know, we're pretty involved with it and everything. And this is just the kind of music that, uh, that is just going to be perfect for the acorn. Uh, so I, you know, from your website and from, um, the description on, on the acorn website, you're a full fledged jazz band. You're not trying to, you know, be a rock band and also play some jazz tunes. I mean, you guys have a real strong, uh, thing going here with a legit, you know, kind of old time jazz band is, is that, is that a valid understanding? I think we are, if you're going to put a flavor to the sandwich of the month, I'd say that we are jazz with all the fixings plus some extras on top. All right. So how did you guys get together? How did, how did you find each other and form this band? And how long have you been playing? So we started in 2015, which feels like forever ago. It but, sure does. Uh, yeah, that was that was when we started at as a as a full on gypsy jazz band originally. And we've kind of grown and morphed from there. But we were originally two guitars, bass, drums, and then Graham would come and, and, and uh, play harmonica and sing with us as well. Uh, so that's where we started. What makes what's evolved. a gypsy jazz band? What do you what do you say that? What do you mean? Well, we'll put this we'll put this one over to, to Mason because he's he's the man with the box who plays a minouche guitar, which uh, is the magic word. However, um, you know it really. I think this started with uh, the actual resurgence of Gypsy in Chicago, and actually, you know, a a a shop, a very special shop that has since disappeared from the planet. That was just Gypsy across the street from a very unusual British pub where the first gig was. But let's go to Mason. Mason, what what is gypsy jazz? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I didn't want to um, respect <laughs> re re respectfully. It's a term that uh, I think is used with uh, affection, um, which is basically uh, we have some uh, gypsy families in the who knows 20s 30s 40s um and so on playing the music of um jazz from this country from louis armstrong etc so they would get the albums listen to them and then play them on their instruments guitars accordions violins uh namely Django reinhardt guitarist stefan grappelli violinist and that's the through line of Ethan and I, uh, as far as... Forget Jit Spielman's. 
Yeah, and then we have that angle of jazz. So, um, well, I know and Graham and, and Graham and I actually back Jungle. to the first question. Graham and I played together uh, at the Green Mill in Chicago, um, and that's where we met. Basically, uh, Graham sitting in with uh, the band that I was playing with at the time there. So ah. we met on the stage uh, many years before we had even started playing. Oh, I gotcha. And Django Reinhardt, I've certainly heard of, I, I guess, and he was thought to be a gypsy, a, you know, as, as a cultural background. Um, I don't, he, I don't know if he actually was or not, but that was, yeah, of, he was, well, he was part of the families that were, I mean, yeah. isn't this the thing, you know, if, you know, if he's a gypsy, if he comes in and plays a couple of tunes for you, your gold fillings are gone. Ah, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think he was, he was doing pretty good though, Jif, uh, Django no, Reinhardt. He... So the, the Romani families, the 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 antecedents being supposedly Northern Indian who traveled throughout Europe, had different kinds of sounds to their music that worked in a a milieu of European and uh, near Asian flavors, and so you end up getting something that's very different. What what Mason would tell you is that. They didn't always have, they were traveling lights, so they didn't have percussion. The kits weren't really a thing in continental Europe. So you usually had two guitar players and maybe bass and violin. And so they were, they were holding down the rhythm in a syncopated manner. So it was a very different way of playing. And so we actually, for a long time, we had a big conflagration of gypsiness. And then we stripped it down to just the three of us and managed to do a magic trick that we still do sometimes where that rhythm is in there and that kind of, um, uh, uh, what I want to say, ethnic eclectic flavor, uh -huh, and then okay. we we expanded it out, and we have a bass and drums, and it gets it gets really um, hot and interesting, and that's where I said we have a little bit of sandwich plus. Right, right, and, and so Ethan, you play uh, violin, and uh, Mason, yeah, you're on guitar, yes. and uh, and then uh, Graham, your your vocals and uh, harmonica, correct? That would. That would be I. All yep. right. Okay. And uh, you, and it sounds like you get an opportunity to play out a lot. I mean, you have Andy's Jazz Club. I saw some videos of that. And Green Mill is a, you know unbelievable jazz bar in Chicago, a real traditional kind of jazz bar. Um, I don't mm -hmm. even think they have other kind of music going on at the Green Mill. Um, and no, do you guys uh, get to play in those locations a lot too? And we also were just at Fitzgerald's too. Oh yeah, oh Fitzgerald's as well. Okay, was that for the um the they think they had a music fest there? Yeah, we were just after the music fest. They do the Americana, the American music festival yeah. here around the Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. We played there on the fifteenth, so we just just missed it. But I we got had you. A great crowd on the patio, and uh, it was it was fun. Yeah, fun. hopefully we'll be back there soon. But we're also that's at a space. great spot. Space in, in Evanston. In that's Evanston. another great venue yeah, we're for there. sure. Yeah, it is. It's fun. We had our record release show there last summer, and um, and and it was great. It was a, it was a lot of fun to play that stage. We'll be back there again on the twenty first of August, actually, right after the Monday after we oh played, uh, the Acorn. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to um, your style of play and and your playing. Did you all start out as jazz musicians or uh, were you, you know, educated in other types of music and then and then evolved to jazz music? Well, I mean, you know, harmonica traditionally starts out as jazz. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you got to work at it to go and rub the dirt in it. Um, the, yeah, I'll, I'll let everybody else answer. There's There's some fun stories for all of us. I think that we're doing... We, we came by a lot of uh, uh, well-intentioned, good training, hanging out with some great musicians, and then uh, decided to get a little weird. That's oh, very, yeah. Very true. I, For me, I started classical uh, with violin, anyways. I played other instruments, bass, in, in rock bands. And this is Ethan younger. talking. This is yeah. Ethan. Ethan yes. Adelsman, yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I was... How we started, actually comes back to this as well i was auditioning for orchestras and thought that that was the right way for me to go at that point and i was finding out that i had a lot of tension in my in my body in my playing when i was when i was preparing for these auditions but i found that i i didn't have that when i improvised 
And so I decided to kind of pivot and take a break from auditioning. And I, I, I took this class, the, the Gypsy Jazz Ensemble class at the Old Town School. And from there, I was like, all right, this is going really well. You know, I'd always wanted to play jazz. That's a good shameless plug for us to play the old and, Yeah, there and what a, what a great resource <laughs> that they had a, a class that was perfectly suited to learn this style of music. That is an yeah, outstanding was, venue over there, as well as a teaching facility. Right. True. Even though well, it's not in Old Town that, anymore. No, but the band's <laughs> name, Bowmanville, hails from, this is the adjacent neighborhood to Lincoln Square. Ah, okay. So the historic Bowmanville, where, whereby this comes from, is uh, located in that space. So we are... We are uh, talking about history in Chicago. Yeah, right over Wilson and Lincoln, I think it's over there. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So sorry to interrupt, Ethan. So uh, you were. um, No, that's all. Yeah, you you started with. uh, And then after you took this class, uh, how did you how how did you implement those those tools? Well, what we did is we took him down. There's up in Bowmanville. There's a crossroads by the graveyard. And. So Ethan and I took him over there at night with the violin at the time, and he he met a, a, a man who popped up who was of, of sketchy origin. He handed it to him, and magically he could play gypsy jazz. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good the origin story, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the, the truth is, afterward, after I took this class, or while I was taking the class, I just said, I like this enough. Let me start a, start a band. And I just kind of like put the band together and uh, Sam, who used to play with us, owned this this shop, this guitar shop called Caravan Guitars. And right across from this uh, right across the street from Caravan was a pub called uh, the Red Lion. And so oh, yeah. we would go jam at the at the at the at the guitar shop. And then and we started getting gigs across the street at the Red Lion once a month. The Red so Lion's haunted, right? Isn't that, isn't that that haunted uh, bar on Lincoln Avenue? Yes, it was, it <laughs> was on Lincoln. It's the same one. It's now the Green Post. So it's, it's changed colors, but I think it's still haunted. It's still, yeah. Well, he took all the stuff from, like, the owner moved it to Lincoln Square uh, a while ago. Oh, okay. And, all right. I, I think that. they split, and so they had two locations, ah, the two owners. Okay. Uh, so, so, yeah, the, but the haunted stuff was at... The Lincoln Square location. Yeah. The original owner took all that stuff. <laughs> the benches and everything. I think that's where the ghosts tend to live is in the old phone booths and oh. well, I mean the objects. The objects. I mean yeah. this, is, this is why you can get a, a heavily activated instrument. I mean saxophones are probably haunted most notoriously. True. Is that right? Wow. Uh, we are we are definitely digressing, but uh, I am curious how <laughs> how does a, a haunted saxophone manifest itself? Does it just start playing in the middle of the night and no one knows how? You got to ask the sax players. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know they're usually you got to play them with whiskey. Um, speaking of sax players, that's kind of uh, tangential. When jazz origin stories, I was going to University of Hartford and studying philosophy while Jackie McLean was still alive, who's renowned in big band, and I would be hanging out with all these jazz musicians who are from Jersey and New York playing bop. And, uh, you know, I think, I think a haunted saxophone, haunted saxophone sounds pretty much like any other saxophone, except I think that the, the user can't put it down. You can't put it down. Maybe you can't control it either. I don't know. I don't yeah, know sometimes you get a guy who's a little possessed by a saxophone. You just got to go. And put the <laughs> yeah. Can't stop. Uh, all right. So yeah, then you started uh, uh, putting together a band. And is it the band that, that you're now in? And this this was the result of your uh, class at the Old Town School of Art, uh, School of Music? Yeah, it, it is Bowmanville. Uh, gotcha. That, was the, that, that is the band that came from that. And it's it's morphed and evolved, like I said, but it, sure. it is still Bowmanville. And, you know, we're... we're uh, still still going strong yeah for sure and so you've um ish, so you released an album it sounds like you talked about an album release party uh, was that your first album or how many albums you get that that is the epimoniously named initial album and we're already into writing tunes for an, another but uh that is our fresh hot release and that uh, that particular piece was recorded believe it or not the entire album got done in a day and a quarter we did it almost essentially live that's um, the way to go that was that was engineered uh by larry millis from uh 
the 9th of March. Oh, you're so kidding. He, uh, wow, yeah. There, caught everything. I mean, he's he's absolutely dear. He's a wonderful friend of the band. And, um, you know, he did his magic and got everything in hot cuts. And we were just, uh, you know, let the firecracker and let it go. I think it would be hard to do a, a, li- a jazz album other than live. I mean, you know, a big part of jazz is playing with each other, playing off of each other, you know, using each other yeah. as cues for the next uh, the next solo and things like that. I, I guess I can't even imagine how you would record a jazz album uh, where each of you is in some booth listening through headphones, you know, to the others and stuff like that. People still do it, but it's kind of, you know, it's what would it be? It's like if you follow uh, odd things like Formula One, it's like, um, uh, you know, the race in Monaco. The streets are pretty close. Everybody's excited and, and you might just run into a barrier. Yeah, yeah. And start all over again. Well, at least with uh, yep. with a recording, you'd have to start all over again. But you might not have that opportunity yep. if you crash through a fence in Monaco. <laughs> 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 all right so uh uh mason um your guitar yes. playing did you originally start uh doing you know playing with a jazz uh background you know did you play any rock and roll prior to that i mean how did how did you get started with with uh guitar yeah um i mean my first uh my first uh playing was uh in uh in grammar school, I was uh, they offered a guitar program, and uh, and so I immediately signed up. I think it was uh, I was probably eight, and uh, yeah, and I've been playing ever since. So I learned how to read uh, some notes, and then did some metal band things in high school. Oh, uh, sure, and that's kind of where I started and started composing and uh, was that famous metal metal band you uh piece you did for the advertisement sorry oh, oh. um no he's uh, there was this uh this metal band that i was in it was the first time that i'd like w- when we went into the recording studio and so we had um we were able to sell one of our songs to uh Leo Burnett advertising in Chicago, and it was for a uh, Nintendo commercial that they aired uh, nationally. So that was like the start of me being like, ah, you know, there's something to this. And um, and so I've been playing guitar ever since. That's just what I've always done and what I put most of my time into. Yeah, yeah. And um, other than this heavy metal band... uh, did you play with any other bands before Bowmanville? Um, yeah, many. And basically, when I went to college, um, started studying some composition there. And um, that's when I got interested into jazz and kind of restarted playing guitar again. And sure. basically, am self-taught kind of just because of my chronology on the earth uh putting on a recording and sounding out whatever was happening is kind of what how i did things Uh uh-huh oh that's how you learn how to play guitar yeah uh, well i mean yeah and mostly jazz is by sounding out saxophone lines and all this kind of stuff ah okay gotcha uh so jay's a little funny too because he's a brilliant guitar player but he's imagine that most composers who study composition, uh, their primary instrument is piano. I would say that Jay is a composer who happens to uh, wield a guitar. Right. And uh, um, when you write a jazz song, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's kind of thing. You, you, it seems like you're when you're writing a jazz song, you're limited to the chorus, you know, the main um artery of the song because there's a lot of improv improvisation that that goes along with with playing jazz where each of you pops in and and uh sort of plays your own thing and then you move to the next guy i mean that's traditionally how i've seen jazz and you know obviously blues works like that too um which is i always thought of as uh, jazz's you know cousin kind of doing the same thing with the improvisation oh, yeah, yeah. 
But right. so when you are writing a jazz song, you know, how do you how do you allow for those those uh, open spaces where each member then gets a opportunity to um, showcase? Yeah, um, the basically for me it comes back down to something that I learned when I was studying music, and that was that the melody, sort of the melody is what you go off of. So whatever the melody is, then that will sort of that will give you what your chords are, as you said, and then the those chords then are that are resultant from the melody become your underlying framework or foundation for the whole group. Ah, gotcha. All right. And yep. uh, do you also write lyrics when you're writing a jazz song? Do, do, do some of your songs uh, contain, well, I guess, you know, obviously there's a number of jazz songs that you, of other people that you play, and they certainly have lyrics. Do the, the yeah. songs... Yeah, at this point, I would say that uh, that might be something that's coming. We all write uh, we're all involved in other musics also aside from this group. And so we, uh, we do devil with all that. So I would, I would say that Bowmanville will see some, uh, original vocal material coming in the near future. What kind we do of have one, one song that, the, uh, the album, uh -huh. one that has one original that has lyrics that Graham wrote. It's called weapons of mass distraction. Right. That's Graham's uh, original song, closing the album. Ah, okay, sounds good. And um, when did you guys release this album? That was uh, last year. We actually uh, sold out space. And so we uh, had that hot to pop at the heels of COVID, and uh, it, was, it was a bash. We actually had people who uh, were trying to get in who got turned away. We felt a little bad, so we're excited that... Uh, the acorn is happening, so we have some of our other kin who are coming to catch that show. Oh, great. Yeah. And what a fun adventure to come up to Harbor Country and maybe even make a day of it or stay overnight and go to the beach or I've do fun things. I've got family up there, so I've been around there for a, uh, a few a few many years. Oh, so you're, you're familiar with all the beauty that uh, exists up here. It's uh, really just uh, it's such a great getaway. Yeah, it really is. And this time of well, year is just case, perfect. I, I grew up yeah. uh, around the country, but between here and New England mostly. And it's, it is the Cape Cod of the Midwest. I mean, I know that because my granddad used to race out at uh, Block Island. And I, I know those areas, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a gem. Yeah. That's funny you say that. It, it is a real destination place for the people in the Chicago area. But the people that live up in harbor country on a permanent basis will often have like their own vacation getaway places even further up north. It's like this constant like going up north, going up north, you know, you go up, up to the next town over or whatever. But uh, everyone's got to have Grand their like Haven. little getaway. Yeah. Like Grand Haven might be the next the next big spot. Um, so. Uh, 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 and Graham, so uh, you are a vocal, you're the singer and uh, harmonica player. Do any of you other guys do do any? But does anyone else sing, or is it just Graham? No, in band, so yeah, in this band, it's definitely Graham. Ah, okay, and uh, a little backup backup vocals, but not much more than that. Right. So Graham, how did you get your start, and uh, um, you know how did how did you guys all get together? So I had my first harmonica for my father when I was five. And uh, at that time, nobody really taught harmonica. So he said, oh, you got to learn on your own, which filled me with a great consternation and a driving force to uh, play. He was, uh, for a long time, uh, Donovan's road manager. So I got to play with Donovan when I was in high school and he cool. came through. And I got uh, I grew up around that kind of thing, um, you know, uh, folk and rock and roll and all that. My my mentor was Dave Van Ronk's only graduating student, uh, Jim Mersick. So we opened up for him a bunch, and I grew up playing Piedmont. And like I said, I went to went to school and hung around playing jazz. One of my other friends was a uh, teacher at the time while I was in college up at uh, New England Conservatory, and he used to steal me down to New York with uh, a band of Cuban string musicians playing jazz. So, you know, you, you get around. You do yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, I mean, when you're accomplished in, in your field, you're probably highly sought after. I mean, this is 
this is a type of music that that um, it, I feel like it's having a resurgence. I certainly appreciate it, and I think that more people are. Um, but you know, it's uh, it doesn't quite have the you know the the bigness of you know like a rock band or something like that unfortunately but it's well that's uh, one of those things that i think happens with this group is that we we're kind of we're kind of the dark horses of gypsy because we're not following the regular formula and we're i, I always refer to us kind of like you know an, an, an alt bop gypsy americana group because there's a lot more syncopation and energy kind of in the real feel and vein you know you show up to a show and it's got all the all the energy you'd want to from a good concert, and so that's that's one of the, the special special sauces. Yeah, I can see that you guys definitely have like a fun rapport going, and you see, you know, in the in the video I saw of your show at uh, at Andy's Jazz Club in Chicago, it looked like you know you're just having a really good time, and that that's infectious. I'm sure the the normally quiet crowds in Andy probably love that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah we like to be a little boisterous yeah um you know kurt elling is also coming to the acorn end of september and um i wonder have you he, he's been around a long time and and uh oh, yeah. he's pretty well known in this in this area uh, i mean and when i say area i mean you know in the jazz um in the jazz world do you guys ever get he's, to play with his name on the hallowed walls for sure? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing him a long time ago at the green mill. So you were talking about the green mill before and uh, you know, that, that goes way back. I remember being very, you know, being just a kid who listened to grateful dad and, and uh, you know, like the rolling stones and stuff like that. I really um, just got such a kick out of uh, seeing a live jazz show. It was really um, quite riveting. And that's, that's the fun thing, you know, um, seeing everyone's each player's take on a particular song. Uh, but you know, when everyone's going around taking turns and, and, uh, doing their, their, uh, their solo, uh, you know, you really, it, it, um, it's very exciting. It's a lot of fun. Well, I guess a funny thing would be, you know, if uh, Kurt Elling happens to hear this or you talk to him later, we, we would love to open or do a collab because that would be a hoot. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, sometimes jazz is like, you ever, you ever have those boxes of like a tub of Legos from various sets that you disassembled and you kind of, you have four people around and nobody asks uh, in a good scenario who's going next or what to take turns about. You don't know what genre of Legos are in there, but you got a rubric and you have some rules and people just start building. Yes. And that's right. the exciting thing for an audience to watch. Right. It's not just recitation of an established song and trying to do it the nope. same way you did it the night before. Every night is completely different. And every, every yeah. song's got a different energy each time you play it. You are minting a new composition each time you uh, put lips to to material do you yeah. do a lot of recording of your live shows that seems like you know that that's one way to really capture all these these um uh, creations as they're happening we had done a bit and we're actually getting more into it because we find more and more that um a lot of our experience um people are enjoying the live components uh, just as much and so off of what you said i mean that's really that's kind of the next phase and evolution along with our, our new writing is probably coming out with a live album. Mm. And you, uh, the album that you did, I know that you recorded it kind of, uh, all together, uh, maybe more than one take, but you know, all were all played at the same time, all played together. You didn't, uh, dub anything in yeah. and, um, that that's essentially live, but you're talking about in front of an audience with, uh, um, and audience, audience participation. Yes. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. And uh, hence, that's why I like the uh, "You're Grateful Dead" comments. Right. Yeah. That, that's the through line of this whole thing. Is for sure <laughs> your enjoyment of the Grateful Dead. I like this. <laughs> Don't disagree with that statement at all. Yeah. You know, and and that's uh, an example of of uh, improvisation. Um, with uh with more of a rock americana kind of song behind it and uh, you're not doing s things that are terribly that much different it's um it's just a different you know kind of music but it's that it's that uh 
um, spontaneous creativity that I personally just get a real big kick out of. I mean, and it's it's kind of a whole different way of of uh, playing music, where you are, um, you know, you're up there, you're you're on the spot, and you know, you uh, good day or bad day, it, it uh, all comes out in the music, and it's what you did that particular day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it, that's what we love about it. I mean, that's what makes it magic. You know, it feels like magic when we're when we're really gelling together, and and uh, it's it's magic. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a it's a conversation, not a script. There you go. Yeah, that's a that's a really good way to put it. Uh, so I would imagine that um, you know each time you play a song, it comes out a little bit different, or sometimes drastically different. So. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it could be drastically. So that's what I enjoy about this group. Yeah, second that one. Uh, do you, so you, I think you mentioned that you have uh, another album coming out. Are you writing new songs for the new album? Or is this, uh, are, are, I guess I should say, are you guys in the process of writing new songs? Yeah, we are in the process. So this album is split pretty evenly. We've got six originals and five, uh, five you know standards on uh-huh. the existing album, the current album. Yeah. The next one we want to be all originals, which is actually unusual. Most jazz groups, most jazz players will tend to have a lot of standards because it's part of the part of the process. You you go from, you start with a, uh, you know. Uh, wait, wait! Don't tell me. Or whose line is it anyway? You start with a suggestion of some type of tune, like the the uh, the nugget, and then that's the performance. But uh, I think that the entire band has a, a sentiment at this point to uh, be minting our own ideas. That's really Definitely. that's great. And when you know, like, what at what point in your uh, evolution as a band did did you start getting to that point? You know, where you were. Um, creating together like that i think that's kind of been throughout the process oh good yeah i feel like it's it was probably instantaneous yeah oh cool uh and um we're we're known for being kind of like a um an avant chamber situation where we will all be playing and creating composing and adjusting at the same time on stage so what does that look like when when you say that so you have to be listening and you are playing, but it doesn't mean, so the round robin, it's actually one of the things we talk about, that round robin of soloing. Yes. Is usually uh-huh. People ascribe to jazz. And I think as we've started to go and do this more and more, we've gotten into a, a sense of where we are producing counterpoint from knowing each other's dialogue and responding and moving together in more of a flock than just the line of ducks. It's collective improvisation. Yeah, right. That's great. Uh, I get it. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. So uh, you uh, you had a good show at the at the Fitzgeralds, and you've got this one coming up. And then I, I think you mentioned that you've got space coming up after that uh, on the twenty first. Um, what other shows do you have coming up? We have uh, a big one we're really excited about. We have a, a new booking agent that we started working with, and uh, this will be the first show we're playing with them. Uh, it's in Colorado, and it's the Epicurean Adventure at Beaver Creek Resort. That sounds fun, on top of the music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the whole thing seems like it's just a fun kind of uh, event that we would like to go to, to go hang out at sure and, anyway you know, paying <laughs> us to come and and play and you know it's great well we also have we also have a, a an unfair advantage i mean we play jazz and our our violinist is is a song so we know our wines and we know our food festivals so yeah right right um i i think someone mentioned that uh you guys also play in other kinds of bands and you know we don't have to get into the names or details about that but i am curious you know what other musical influences are you bringing to this jazz group bowmanville my partner's about to release an album and she plays climber banjo and sings in chinese (laughs) really cool I feel like nothing is uh, off limits as far as influences with us. I mean, 
you know, I've got the classical background for myself, but also I played in a, a like an orc pop, British influenced orc pop group for years called the Scotland Yard Gospel Choir. And, you know, I played in a powered trio where I played bass and sang in high school, um, which Pedge, yeah, <laughs> uh, which was super fun. You know, that's where I really like kind of cut my teeth and got and, and discovered my love for performing and for playing with other people uh-huh. uh, in, in any any kind of format. You know, I played in a string quartet, orchestras, all of that stuff. And it's the, the group, the collaborative playing that that uh, that gets me going, I think, really, um, especially when it's not an orchestra, especially when it's not an orchestra. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've had great times in orchestras, too, though. That's been that's been but that's not where I'm at now. Uh, His classical I, music, by the way, since he won't say it, he is an often requested uh, solo violinist for a number of unusual events and engagements because his his classical violin work is fabulous. So you're talking about someone who has very well-defined classical phrasing who can get down and dirty and play jazz. Oh, it's that's really fun. It's unusual thing. Yeah, you, I don't think you see a lot of uh, violins in jazz. Um, you know, there's, there's some in... Uh, um, you know, Celtic music, certainly, but, uh, and, and sure. even, um, you know, like Ann Harris is a pretty well-known, uh, rock, um, uh, violinist and she's one of the few, uh, it's yeah. nice that you're, you're spreading your wings and, and trying different kinds of things with, um, your instrument. I mean, you know, that's, yeah, uh, well, and that's that pretty cool. One of the big draws for me too, you know, the classical world, you you can't uh, throw a rock without hitting a violinist. It's like yeah, a, yeah. a dime a dozen. There's so many violinists, so it's hard to kind of stand out in that. Right. Um, the voice of the violinist. They save the violin. <laughs> um, yeah. But the 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 jazz world, like you pointed out, is the, it's a lot. There's a lot fewer violins. You know, uh, it's not the most popular instrument, but it works really well for jazz because of the way it. You know, the phrasing and the the, what you can do with violin is it's well suited to playing well, it has a sound. music yeah. yeah, and it's got a recognizable sound right sure. right well it's funny because we sit timbrally in a very even place so ethan and i will often it's very interesting that two of us can can sit together because just sonically it's in that space so we riff off of each other a lot i mean we drive each other's playing i often think that on the album people don't recognize that it's harmonica i think a lot of times they think it's either the violin or a clarinet or something else because a lot of that is just so far out of the regular um, uh, dialectic, the, the regular like sound canon. Yeah, yeah. Well, Harmonica. We, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say sorry. one of the things we do sorry. on the album and uh, in in uh, one of the songs, and we're starting to do it a little bit more, is playing the same line together, uh, and it almost it sounds like it's another instrument altogether. Yep. Like the two of us playing oh, song wow. one at the same time, it uh-huh. sounds like a horn section, or it sounds like it's its own. It's a new thing. It's a new sound. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people are doing that with these this particular instrumentation with harmonica and violin. Trademark register, Bowmanville. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you hit it right on the head. The uh, uh, the harmonica is is definitely a foreign instrument in the jazz world. You don't hear too much of it. Um, so that's that's pretty cool that 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 even crossed your uh, path. That 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 was something that you looked to do with your harmonica playing. How did that come well, about? You know, how did you how did you uh, connect with these guys and um, you know bring that sound to a jazz group? Well, so uh, as I mentioned, when I was in school, I was already hanging out with composers. When I I grew up playing flute and I build flutes around the world, and I'm kind of self-taught ethnomusicologist. But I I also play some slide guitar and ukulele and other things. But harmonica is um, an interior landscape, so everything that goes into it, you just kind of have to listen understand so i get into middle eastern music and irish music and asiatic music forms and they're all really interesting because they inform what happens but jazz is one of those things i grew up playing a lot of blues um you know at festivals and otherwise i've played blues fest twice here but then you get into this other thing and just that as i started to break apart what happens inside of a harmonica then it was just this it was an unexpected situation where 
all of the sounds came most easily through that instrument. So I just chased the melodies of these different music forms. I gotcha. That's, that's really great. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your, the, the writing that you're doing for, um, th- for the band, you know, uh, the, the, the songs that have been written as well as the ones that you're, that you're in the process of putting together. And, you know, what, first of all, what kind of, um, what kind of musical inspirations do you have in the jazz world? You know, what are some of the uh, jazz musicians that, that, uh, you know, kind of inspire and uh, get you guys excited? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I will, this is Mason. Uh, I will say uh, Charles Mingus, um, Thelonious Monk, Original John Coltrane and Miles Davis bands, Barry Harris, pianist. Um, Though that's probably like that's probably a baseline for my overall interest in the music that uh, is considered jazz. That's a great group for sure. (laughs) Yep, I would say for me too. Louis Armstrong is a big influence. When I think about writing, uh, I try to in, in consciously, subconsciously, whatever it is, I try to like embody the joy that he brings to his his music making because I think that is for me that's one of the key elements that that inspires me is 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 playing you know joyful stuff. That's, yeah, uh, that's that's enjoyable to listen to and doesn't get too crazy with the the technical elements um i leave that to to mason (laughs) the the technical jazz and the you know that stuff is but i think that's one of the things that is is interesting with us is we all have our different approaches and then when you put it all together it makes it its own you know unique thing um where you know where it's it's we're all coming from different perspectives and they're all they all have an equal and and valuable place at the table i think that's right i mean you know you you have so many broad things you have you've got nat king cole you've got jaco pastorius you've got toots thielmans i got to meet him before he passed which was really special um you get the you know obviously from medesky martin and wood across the board you have different things that encapsulate what jazz is right right and then you've got you know this the the stalwarts of of jazz which i think that all of us can agree that a lot of us would, would tick off the ones on Mason's list. Um, and then by the same token, you've got, you strip it down pretty far and you get things like Lena Horn. Sure. Where, where you, you know, the, the expression is, how do you manipulate the space between your expressions? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So even if there's a lot going on, there's just as much space. And it's a, an interesting way that you weave it together. Yeah. Oh, that's... I think for me, I tend to like even go outside of jazz. And I know that some of the groups that I have been inspired by in the past, like, like Weezer, you know, in high school, I'm still finding inspiration from them. Like their first album, the last song, Only in Dreams, the way that the it harmonically moves in like steps you know the bass goes up one note and then the guitar will go up one note and that kind of thing i think is really has been part of my uh, it's one of the things that inspires me and, and, oh, and yeah. influences informs my my writing and my composition style right You're definitely i mean i think that's we should also say that ethan his uh impressions of things craft some of the interesting melodies that occur because of what comes out that way. And I think that all three of us are, you know, just as much influenced by other areas. I mean, Jay has, metal is only one mark in, in that uh, high water scenario. And, you know, I get into punk rock, ska, skater things. And it, it's, um, at some point in the future, I hope that we get to be known as the, the jazz band that uh, loved all genres. Yeah, that's, and that is true jazz, I think you know, incorporating all these different kinds of sounds and into this, uh, into this matrix, which is, you know, 
basically sharing the stage and, and weaving and incorporating and, you know, soloing and coming back to the, the melody and all that and, and uh, incorporating all these. That's it. You're hired as our publicist. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's the essence of, um, you know, it, it really is a dichotomy between, you know, these uh, established songs that a band is just going to play the same way every time and and then on the other side, you know, this spontaneous creativity, improvisation, which is, you know, encompasses, uh, like we said before, jazz, blues, jam bands. I mean, I don't know why they kind of have evolved into this uh, uh, derogatory term, jam band. But, uh, you yeah. know, you essentially that that's that's jazz with uh, electronic music I sometimes. I yeah. think it's a lot of times what we're doing because we, unfortunately the, our, our wonderful bassist and drummer, so Noah Plotkin, and our drummer and Oliver Fort and the bassist are not on the call, but I, I think that they would have a lot to say. I mean, Oliver does a lot with electronic music. Noah plays all over the place, including in an acid jazz group. Um, and I think it's, I think the only reason why jam bands get a bad name is because it goes on for too long. It's like you have too much peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, you can do that, but decide at a certain point not to slap the audience in the face with it. Right, right, right. I, I, I would like to just add to that point and say that it, it, in this, yeah, you know, the there's also the end of uh, – no matter what is seen or how that term has been taken and how people do, there's enough people that think that jam band music is cool and that that there really is no difference than a, an act. When I say actual jazz band, like piano, horn player, and they're like playing on one chord, like that's okay too. You know, like it's, um, and so I think I, I appreciate that the term should be included, uh, because it is coming from the same intention. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Strongly. yeah. We have, we have no aversion to, to any jam band practices or audience. Right. And they very well may appreciate this different, slightly different kind of music from what they're listening to once they realize that it is uh, along the same lines as the music that they're listening to. Yeah. So I've to one me, it's more. The same, it's the same. Cool. Yeah. Well, I, I have uh, one last um, question I want to get to, and that is, you know, when you are writing, um, you know, where does it come from? You know, is this. Uh, are you styling it after something you've heard? Uh, you know, where, where does the, the music part come to it? And if there's any, and if there's any, uh, um, uh, lyrics, you know, where do these come from? Where do these ideas come from? This is a interesting question. Cause I'm sure you're going to get three different answers from <laughs> for me. Uh, it depends. Like I've the songs I've written in this style in jazz, you know, the jazz style have been a mix of things. And sometimes like Boyano Campobasso, that song came to me while I was in the shower. Like it just I was singing it. <laughs> and called it came, right after I was in the shower. <laughs> it, came, it came to me and I, I jumped out of the shower and grabbed my phone and I'm sitting there naked in my in my bathroom, like recording this song that I that I had in my head while I was taking a shower. And and like that's there's a couple songs that have happened that way. Um, other ones like Helen's theme off, off the album was that's about my uh, my wife's grandmother who passed away in 2017. And the day that she passed, she was 93. You know, she was lived a great life. She was a wonderful woman. Uh, and so the day that she passed, I woke up and and found out that she passed and said, all right, I just sat down and that is what came out. That song just almost, I just started playing and it came out. It was like, yeah. Helen. So you don't, this is the song. You don't sit there, beat yourself up and think, I got to get something down. I got to get something down. It comes to you. And then you, us. yeah, you let it come to you. That that's, I think is yeah. a, a great natural way of, of uh, allowing, you know, whatever source for ideas uh, to, to get to you as opposed to pushing. I don't it. think, I don't think any of our tunes, at least at this point, are contrived because that's, you know, my, mine's ridiculous. They know how much of an addict I am for coffee, but not just like coffee, but the spaces. So it's, 
definitely comes from coffee walks and architecture. <laughs> there you go. There's a lot of mythos about spotting me around Chicago downtown at different uh, eras and epochs, just running through stuff. How do you like that? <laughs> uh, well, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've got uh, Mason Jiller, Graham Nelson, Ethan Adelsman, and thank you. Uh, they're the band Pleasure. Bowmanville, and they're playing at the Acorn Theater on August 18th. Uh, get your tickets if you don't already have them. And very much looking forward to seeing you guys. Thanks again for coming on the show. It was our pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was the members of Bowmanville. Uh, that was a lot of fun talking to them. Uh, they are um, uh, they're from Chicago. They're playing at the Acorn on August 18th. And um, uh, make sure you check them out. And this is John Goldman. You've been listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, and WRHZ 93.5 out of uh, Sawyer, Michigan. Um, I am going to play for you their song, Annie and Me, and um, so this will be a good one. Take care, everybody.